If you love to eat as much as we do here on the Kevin and Taylor Show, you're going to love hearing the latest in the world, world of, of food. food. First, did you hear Little Caesars has started selling pizza by the yard? Forget <laughs> fabric at Joann's. This is a pizza. <laughs> 36 inches will set you back about 20 bucks. Second, did you hear Dave and Buster's is getting a makeover to lure in adults, including a revamped kitchen for an improved menu and new games? And finally, in the world of food, could this be the best news ever? Eating dessert is part of a healthy lifestyle. Yes. I am so happy about this. (laughs) The key is moderation in making desserts a treat. But the all or nothing mentality towards sweets, they say it just really isn't sustainable. And then the other thing you can do, I started trying to do this recently, and it's so cool. Uh, Make desserts that are lower in sugar. Like you can make a delicious cake out of dates Mm -hmm. and bananas and apples and almond flour. It's so good. So anyway, this is one idea. And uh, also fruit desserts are a great option, too. So you know how high schoolers and college students, they have some weird traditions and pranks like... I don't know, maybe like soaping the fountain. You ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. I never did it when I was in college, but wait till you hear what these college students have done to the fountain on campus. I'll tell you about it next. Okay, so I don't know about you, but uh, colleges and high schools, they've got some weird pranks. You know, like there's high schools where they all paint the rock. You know, when they graduate, there's this giant rock they spray paint. And our, then, our school, they would put the school, seniors would put the school up for sale. There'd be a giant oh, really? for sale sign That's funny. hung on the on the school. Yeah. And there may or maybe a few real estate signs that line the school road mm-hmm. on that day every year. Other schools, other students, they have this tradition. I've never done this, but they, they soap the fountain. All of a sudden, there's soap pouring out everywhere. Well, wait till you hear what people are doing at a fountain on the campus of Florida State University. Apparently, basically a revival has broken out on campus. And so many kids are coming to faith in Christ that they're getting baptized in the famous fountain on campus. And uh, hundreds of people are doing this. And the people, moms are like tweeting out like, my child was one of the kids that came to Christ. I've been praying Mm. for years and years for this. And they just got baptized in the fountain. And then what's also really, really special is it's not stopping there. All the local churches around Florida State University are jumping in there and saying, okay, now you need discipleship. You need, you need growth. You need a church home. We're here if you need us. Like they're they're stepping up to that role, hmm. and I just thought that was so cool. I guess it's uh, making headlines everywhere that all these kids are coming to Christ no at kidding. Florida State University. Everybody's excited except for people at University of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Seminoles, how dare they? <laughs> and r- rumor is in heaven they'll be. They'll keep those two groups really far apart. Yeah. <laughs> Seminoles and Gators. <laughs> they won't let them near each other. <laughs> so are you a patient person? I heard one mom say, my patience is like a gift card. I, I don't know how much is on it, but let's give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that in a minute. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got some ways that you've helped or helped yourself to become a more patient person. Okay, so uh, we're talking about patience. Man, that's something I wish I had more of. I really do. That's something I struggle with. How about you? And especially, especially when, and I read like these were tips on how to be more patient. It was like, except when things aren't out of, out of your control, when you can't control them, just accept the situation as it is. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, if I'm if I'm stuck in a traffic jam just the other day. Traffic jam ahead, 37-minute delay. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> As if that's going to make it better. I've heard you do that before. It's like your default. You think if you just say the word no 20 times right. out loud, no, it won't no, happen. No, no, <laughs> no. I've heard, why are we impatient? I've heard a couple of reasons why. Uh, overflated sense of self-importance. Ooh. That's one of the reasons that we're impatient. Or entitled. And this, think about this with ourselves, like use traffic jam as, a, as an example, and then how irrational it is to think that if, if, that if you should never experience a traffic jam. We expect that everything will go 100% right 100% of the time. And when it doesn't, we lose it. We get impatient. Think of all the stuff just waking up. Okay, my phone is going to go off and wake me up. My electric toothbrush is going to be charged and work. My electric razor is going to be charged and work. My coffee machine is going to work. My car is going to start. All of the lights on the way are going to be functioning. Every driver is going to make the right decision on the way, and I'm going to have nothing but smooth sailing the whole way. It's impossible. <laughs> Everything is not going to go right. So logically, we can you know understand it's ridiculous to be impatient because something's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. It's going to. But when it does... No, 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 no. There it goes. No, no, no. It's five no's. That's the pattern. So I never I never claim to be anything but a work in progress. And my wife, because she she's heard more of it than anyone with patience. So and, and I don't want to pray for patience because they say, oh, don't pray for patience. I'll pray for you. God will give you <laughs> God will give you opportunities to work on your patience. No, 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 no. It's five again. I don't want opportunities to work on patience. I want a hundred percent of the things to go right a hundred percent of the time, and then I'll be patient. <laughs> hey, it's Kevin and Taylor. What's going on? What's up, Kevin? I was calling to uh, give a little advice on patience on what's helped me. What I've learned at this stage in life. We have to look at things from God's perspective in every aspect. And so when I'm in a disagreement with my wife, I have to not be harsh with my words. When my kids are not being obedient, I have to look at it from his perspective, take a step back and look at how I'm behaving in front of them because the kids mimic how we act. Mm. And that's very hard to do in Mm -hmm. the heat of the moment in life is to look at things not from my own perspective yeah especially when you're tired and and the kids wear you down and they know how to push every single one of your buttons (laughs) it's the hardest thing to do hey dad hey dad hey dad (laughs) (laughs) what i mean i mean yes dear (laughs) and i don't know how you do it kevin you have so many so i only have two so i can only imagine how difficult double the trouble (laughs) well thanks for calling that's some great advice Are you still resisting a return to the office? I don't blame you. I've never worked from home, but it sounds delightful. So many people (laughs) fell in love with working from home and their PJs, skipping their commute more. Well, wait till you hear what companies are doing to lure you back into the office. They're pumping in fragrance to improve your mood. Really? The smells Hmm. wafting through cubicle land is an idea stolen from fancy resorts, you know, like St. Regis resorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your company got a nose job. With jasmine to improve happiness and confidence, sandalwood to relieve your anxiety, and Italian pine to fight fatigue. Hmm. So if you walk in to work one day and you're like, what's that smell? That's 
that's the boss trying to make it a more pleasant atmosphere so you'll keep coming into the office. Yeah, and all it takes is one person microwaving last night's leftover tuna casserole. <laughs> and all that money spent on fragrance. Right, Some people are saying it's causing them to become a snotty mess. The fragrance uh, is their... giving them allergies. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything more remarkable or anything that will restore your own faith than seeing somebody really have their lives changed by God. It's like the only thing you can explain the change is God did that. We're going to talk about it next. So isn't it cool when you see God get a hold of somebody's life and, the, and that transformation happens like oh, yeah. li- literally before your eyes? You watch the old is gone, the new has come, right? It's like the, the Bible comes to life in front of your lives, in front of your eyes, in the lives of those folks. And and I've been witnessing that with my dad for like the past four or five years. Um, he's 87. He recently had a health scare and God started working in his life like four or five years ago. Um, and he really started taking faith in Jesus seriously. And then he had his big health scare. And then my mom passed away. And uh, my parents have been divorced since I was a kid. So it's, they've been divorced for forever, but my dad had, my mom would talk with regret with me about her and my dad. Dad never did. He was very mm-hmm. like closed and kind of callous about it all. I mean, truth be told, it's, it was dad, why they split up. And he was always very cold, very callous about my mom and, and that whole situation. Well, she passed away and he's been going through this journey with God. And then he had his health issues and stuff. And, and the last time we spoke on the phone, he said, hey, when when you come back next time, I'd really like it if we could go and visit your mom's grave. Wow. And I was just stunned. I was like, OK, we can do that. Um, I don't know what is going on in dad's heart. Uh, I don't know if he's just softening, if there's some regret. Um, I don't know. But I was like, wow, that only only God, only Jesus working in somebody's heart could take away the hardness that he's always had. It wasn't overt hardness. He was never antagonistic. He was just dismissive, just like, you know, didn't matter. Yeah. What what would happen with the aftermath with mom's life just didn't matter. He was moving on, turning the page. Bye. See ya. Um, And that, you know, that coldness was always, always prevalent. And now all of a sudden he wants to go and visit her grave. What I love the most is that he wants to do it with you a shared Mm. experience and the fact that you can be there for him and show him the same love and grace and forgiveness that God has shown us in case he starts to feel regret about Mm. your mom. You can be there for him. Yeah. That's going to be really moving. But the bottom line is I I don't know who in your life you're like, man, I just really wish they would come to faith. I really wish they would come to know who Jesus is. My dad's 87 years old. It took till he was about 82 or 83 to really understand who Jesus was and accept him in his life. So whoever it is in your life that you're praying for, keep praying, keep praying for him. Cause as long as there's time left on the clock, God can still pull out a win. I have a question for you about your sneakiness levels. Have you ever snuck into something? Have you just snuck out of bed as a kid when you're not supposed to? I heard the sneakiest story ever the other day. I cannot wait to tell you this in just a minute. What's your level of sneakiness ability? There's a, I forget which movie it is, but it's like the famous line is you underestimate my sneakiness. <laughs> and so my husband and I use that line all the time. Like, did you ever sneak out of bed when you were supposed to be sleeping when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Maybe especially on December 24th, trying to peek and see if mm-hmm. you catch Santa. Okay. Um, maybe you, you've been a wedding crasher and you've done it. 
Well, someone I was talking to the other day, someone that both Kevin and I know, a co-worker of ours, her name is Brenda. She grew up in Memphis and she snuck into Elvis's funeral. What? I am not making this up. What? what, what? She, yeah. <laughs> so she goes down there. She's a young woman when, when Elvis passed away. And she told her mom, she's like, mom, I'm going to get, I'm going to sneak in. I'm going to get it. And she, her mom's like, no, you will not. You're just going to be one of the many masses of crowd, you know, crowd people outside. Well, what she did was there was a florist carrying in giant bouquets for the funeral. And she said, do you need some help carrying that? And that's how she got in. Don't get it. And then she did end up, she got in for a while and then she did end up having to leave. And sure enough, her mom turns on the TV and there's her daughter on TV <laughs> at Elvis. She said, it was the most surreal experience of her life. She said, you're looking around the room at every single famous person you've ever heard of or seen on TV or heard on the radio is right there. She said it was the one of the best experiences in her life, all because she came up with the idea I'll go down there early. I'll offer to help the florist carry flowers in and I'll I'll sneak in to Elvis's funeral. So she's a funeral crasher. Yeah. Instead of a wedding crasher. Isn't that so crazy? <laughs> Who knew? So I'm I'm trying to figure out your friend that snuck into Elvis's funeral. I'm trying to figure out if I'm impressed or if I'm just alarmed at how kind of like it's a little morbid to sneak into a funeral. But I, I don't there. Well, you know what? There is no but. I, I would not do that. I Every would not celebrity sneak, in the country was there. But I yeah. would not sneak into a funeral. However, there have been times I have found a couple things. First of all, if you say I'm with a radio station, that will get you like nowhere. Maybe you're saying it wrong. 80% of the places on planet Earth, it will get you in. I have used that so many get times. Out. Pull up in the radio station van. It never van, works for me. Pull up in the radio station van. Hey, I'm with the radio station. Oh, come right on through. And I had no like pass to get into that area. No parking. No, no nothing. Just I'm with You the must road. have that charisma that I don't have because it, it, I always get like, sorry, you're going to have to call someone. And I get I get. Held back. Oh, I might take a phone call or a, yeah, we got the radio station here. Okay, let him make over. Okay. And then you go, you go right on in. It's been a funny couple of days, though, for me and Kev. We were meeting with all these people, and one lady who snuck into Elvis, we met another lady that snuck into a Switchfoot concert. <laughs> Not funny. What are the chances? Do you ever meet people with really a really cool job? And you're like, wow. How did you get to do that? I'm sure you've heard that question a million times, Taylor. How did you get into radio? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I always tell people like I had, went to a broadcasting school. I had an internship at a radio station. I basically worked for free for two years until they finally gave me a job. <laughs> and that was that was the launch pad for me. But met a lady the other day. She uh, she is in a, she has her own company that promotes major movie releases. Like a movie comes out and she's in charge of getting the word out to all the media outlets and making sure premieres go okay. It's like the big all-encompassing job. I'm like, how do you get a cool job like that? And she goes, well, I kind of stumbled into the the movie business. She was from Idaho, went to college in LA, and as part of her college curriculum, she had to have an internship or she would fail this course and then she would lose her scholarship or whatever and we kicked out of school. So she's at a gas station one day and she's like, man, what am I going to do about this internship thing? And she looks up and the person pumping gas next to her is Mel Gibson. And she goes, hi, 
uh, you don't know me, but I'm a college student and I need an internship. Do you think you could help me out? And Mel's like, right. Give me your name and number. So she writes down her name and number, gives it to him. He drives off and she's like, oh, now probably never hear from him again. Like a couple weeks later, she gets a call. Hey, um, Mel Gibson passed on your name to us, said you're a real go-getter. And uh, we got a movie we're, we're working on right now. Would you like to be an intern? Help us out. She's like, heck yeah, I would. <laughs> movie, incredible. Movie turns out to be The Passion of the Christ. That was the first movie she ever worked on. She's wow. like, I was hooked hooked from that point on. I was I was ready to roll. All because but, her, her little gauge was on E. Can you imagine that? I mean, how many people has, you can't help but think there was something bigger operating there though, because oh, how yeah. many people have had Mel Gibson, you see Mel Gibson, right? And you're like, Hey, Mel, I'd really like to be in the movie business. Can I give you my number? It happens like, to him every five right, times a day. Yeah. Right, right, right. But for this person, for some reason, he was like, okay, sure. And I said, well, what was it like working with Mel? She goes, I never saw him again. That was it. It wasn't like, you know, he was like, hey, I'll make you my assistant or anything. It was just he, she was an intern and doing the grunt work wow. and stuff. But that was her foot in the door. Isn't that a crazy story? Coming up, would you be willing to hang out more with your coworkers if you got paid to do it? Would you be willing to hang out more with your coworkers if the boss paid you for it? Hmm. The CEO of a three point hmm. five billion dollar security company says they're paying for workers to socialize. Really? It's called the three 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 program. Three or more employees expense thirty dollars per person for food and drinks if they go out together at three p.m. The idea is you'll end up talking about work and come up with creative ideas that will benefit the company. The only catch, got to post a picture of the three of you on social media. Hmm. That's it. So that 30 bucks a person. That's a nice little outing. Basically, they're saying $100 for a brainstorming session, right? Yeah. We'll pay you $100 to give us your best ideas. And huh. food and drink. Huh. So like it's for single people, you'd never have to cook again. Yeah. Just yeah. line up three different coworkers every evening and... Okay, I I would love to hear from folks. Give us a call. If your boss came in and said, I'm going to give you this, you know, expense account or whatever to go out with a a bunch of coworkers. Just want you to go out and have a good time. But we want to know what you talk about, (laughs) which is basically what they're looking for. No, they just said post a picture on social media. That's the only requirement. Right, but they're you hoping they're you collaborate. Hoping, yeah, they're hoping the collaborate. They think it'll happen naturally happen. and organically. Would you would you take your boss up on that offer? We'd love to know if you would do that. So bosses are paying people to hang out together, coworkers. They're paying them go out, have a good time, in hopes that they're going to be able to glean some uh, some wisdom, some information. I think that is a great idea. If this one thing happens, tell you what the one thing is next. So we're talking about uh, there's a company. What kind of company wants it? A security company, a three and a half billion dollar security company is paying employees at 30 bucks a person to spend time together after work. Food and drink. Okay. So um, here's here's the thing. I think it's a great idea um, because you do when you get people together who all are pulling towards the same goal who are all working on the same, you know, like type of project or something, get them all together in a casual environment, then they do open up and talk about stuff that's going on, particularly uh, like systems and tactics that aren't really working well. Mm -hmm. You'll hear from them in that setting, what's wrong, what's not working, what's frustrating. But then when the boss asks them individually, they'll be like, oh, everything's great. Yeah. Oh, no, I got it, boss. Everything's great. Everything's fantastic. So that will only be beneficial if... The people that are meeting together 
will share it with the boss, number one, if they're brave enough to actually tell the truth of what's going on. But then, in my experience, what happens is a boss will tell you why you're you're the problem, not the system, and mm-hmm. they're not open to the change. Yeah. So th- that's got to be It's great that they're taking that step, but it's one thing to say, oh, we want to hear from you. But in my experience, what that means is we'll hear your idea, and then we're going to do what we already planned on doing anyway. This idea would only work for me, I think, because I value my evenings with my husband so much if I could do it at lunch. Mm. If I got paid 30 bucks to go to lunch with my coworkers, okay, I'll stop eating <laughs> soup at my desk. <laughs> I got to eat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but at night, even with uh, with friends, I'd almost overall, I mean, sometimes I'll do it. I'll try to meet a girlfriend for lunch instead of dinner because I want to mm-hmm. be with my husband at dinner. Yeah, I don't yeah. see him in the mornings. I leave before dark you know so what about you a do you would you do it and b do you think it's actually a good idea do you think if you and your coworkers got together and really were you know sharing about how work is going and you came up with two or three things that you think could be done better would your boss be open to changing or would he just be like oh no 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 that's in place because a b and c now get back to work so we're talking about this whole idea of getting employees together to talk and the bosses are paying them to do this to go out and have lunch or whatever together with the idea that they're going to come up with ideas and solutions for for stuff uh, in in the work environment, so I, I I couldn't help but I went and looked up: Do bosses really listen to employees? And it said that most bosses do deeply care and they want to know what the employees think. But listen to this: They say that um, they don't have systems designed to integrate employee opinions into decision making capacities. I'm like, that's part of the problem. <laughs> that whole corporate talk is part of the problem. Oh, we need a system in place to integrate these things. No, just listen to people and then go like, okay, let's not do that anymore. You don't need a system. You don't need an intricate file or chart or anything. If if you're making widgets and the guy that's in charge with making the widgets goes, hey, the little screws you gave us don't fit. You don't need a system. Just go, hey, we need new screws. Let's fix that. Right. I, th- I wish they would come up with an app or a service where um, su- suggestion boxes are truly anonymous. Mm. But I, I never fill out any surveys because I know they can tell which computer it came from. Oh. No matter how much they try to say this is a confidential survey. Wow. Um, but have you, how long have you been struggling with paranoia? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not struggling at all. I just don't fill out the surveys. Because <laughs> I'm paranoid doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> So I think, but but what I'm getting at is, I think especially as companies get bigger and bigger and bigger and and people have more and more responsibilities, they want systems and they want these things in place that that take out the human factor. They remove the heart from what it is you're trying to accomplish. And if you if you just here 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 here, how about this? Instead of paying the employees to have lunch together, how about you take them out to lunch and say like, hey, we're away from the office. Nothing is out of bounds. What's going on? Tell me what is happening. Would you feel comfortable enough doing that with your Taylor shaking your head? No. <laughs> Sorry, I know someone is probably getting let go today. <laughs> no, they went to HR. Not, not no one at this radio station. But that's that's different. Yeah. That's different going to that, and that's part of a problem. It's not a safe space, right? If you're that it's, intimidated for, from you know telling your boss whoever you're having the problem with. If you're that intimidated from just going to him like, hey, can we work this out together? You got to go to HR. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's like we've removed the human factor, the heart from 
all of these scenarios. And that that's why, like, yeah, it's great that they're going out and talking. I hope the bosses hear it and can can do something with their ideas. Mm-hmm. When it comes to your pets, do you play favorites? According to brand new research, we all do in one specific area. I know, Kevin, you play favorites big time. Oh, I openly. With your dog, Mar- Marco. Marco's my favorite. There's it's Marco so bad. and there's the rest of the four dogs. I was like, oh, are you excited to get oh, home yeah. and see your dogs after you're out of town? And he goes, yeah, I got to see Marco and the dogs. And I'm the like, now it's called Marco and the rest of them. Yeah, right. and the exactly. dogs. And I, I have no shame in that. Everyone tries to shame me with it, but I'm, uh, no. Well, he, here's, uh, I, I can't lie. He's I'm pretty favorite. positive you are doing what everyone else is doing in this specific area. Because you never, ever, barely, unless you get a scratch, talk about this pet. Everybody plays favorites to their dogs over their cats. Oh, yeah. It all stems from dogs wanting to be in your presence every waking second, following you around the house, and cats being much more independent and basically not as needy. And what's wild, pet owners are even willing to spend more money on caring for the dogs compared to their cats when it comes to vet bills. Mm, Wow, that's... that's, No. Yeah, that's not no, good. No, 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 no. But, but here's how prevalent the dog cat thing is. I've used that to describe the difference between Paris, uh, France, and Florence, Italy. I'm like, Paris is a cat. They could live without you. <laughs> Italy is a dog. They're happy to see you. <laughs> right? And that's it. It works because there's some, some truth to it, right? Coming up, you never know what a cop will encounter on a given day. Wait till you hear about this hero. Hey, this is your guarantee to put you in a good mood story of the day. A cop in Florida saved a baby's life this month after a motorcycle going 100 miles an hour crashed into the 22-year-old mom's car. And Mm. her little, the police immediately rescued her little toddler, Ariel, Mm -hmm. but little baby Lola, only six months old. Didn't have a pulse when Mm. the police arrived. But a cop named Dave Musgrove was first on the scene, did CPR, and brought her back. He's a parent of a little girl, too. And they had a press conference to talk about it. He got really choked up. Mm. He's like, this is emotional for me. I'm a dad. I have a little girl. And uh, Lola is still in the hospital, but hopefully on her way to a full recovery. And the girl's mom called Dave an angel. And said, wow. too bad, Dave. You're part of our family forever now. Mm, nice. Yeah. Well, if, if Taylor and I can encourage you to get CPR certified, totally do it. We've, we've gotten certified a couple of times. Even if you just take it once, you'll know the basics for the rest of your life. And, and CPR on an infant completely different than mm-hmm. on an, an adult, right? So, but if, if everybody got it done, imagine how many lives would be saved instead of just standing there waiting for the the first responders to get there, you could start CPR and save somebody's life. So highly encourage you to do that. So, okay, I want you to think about what doctors of visit, visit or appointment do you get the most stressed about? You're just like, oh, Oh, not to sell my calendar. I do not want to go. Well, they've they've found something at this one doctor's office to help their patients relax. See if this wouldn't help you Hmm. at your most feared doctor's appointment. We'll talk about it next. Do you have a fear of any doctor? I mean, no one likes going to the doctor, right? I mean, if you could avoid it for the rest of your life, you'd rather not go. But a lot of people have, do you have a, do you have a doctor's visit you just like dread? Oh, of it's course. on the calendar and you're the like, The OBGYN no. once a year. Can't for me, it's stand going. the dentist. I hate going to the dentist. It's I don't a mind real fear. that. You know, th- I, this, what I'm about to tell you about, 36% of people have a fear of, of the dentist. And of those people, 12%, it's like debilitating. 
Like, I'm not surprised. They're just like so over the top about it. Well, there's a, a dentist's office where the dentist one day brought his dog in. He's got like one of those golden doodle doggies. Mm-hmm. And the dog um, has been trained not to go near people's mouths. But while you're lying in the chair, like when they recline you back, he will jump up on you. Yes. And this 80 pound dog will lie on you. I was talking about this with my hygienist. And you can pet the Isn't dog. That the coolest idea. Yeah. While, while you're like, while they're drilling <laughs> away or whatever, the dog is there looking at you going, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. I would love that. I would I totally would love that. Oxytocin coming off that doggy. Distraction. Yeah. <laughs> Just not even paying attention to what's going on because the dog had jumped, jumped up in your lap and they said they've trained the dog. You won't go near your mouth. Um, which would be a big problem. Like my dog, Artessa, every night, go right before I go to bed, I brush, brush, floss my teeth, and she loves that smell. She's just like <laughs> all over it. So she would be <laughs> terrible fresh. at it. But yeah, I, I think that'd be great. And of course, they have to pass all kinds of health laws and train the dog and the, the, all kinds of stuff. But I, I'm just wondering, for you, would you want that for your most feared doctor's appointment? Now, the one you said, I, I don't know that that would work. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I've never been for there. For every woman who's been through everything that happens yeah. at an annual GYN exam. A dog jumping up on you would not work. A dog laying on you would not work. The exam could not proceed properly. <laughs> yeah, that would not. All right. Yeah. All right. yep, this is Maybe as- out in the waiting room. They keep you out there forever. Or, you know what? The, my worst, most dreaded part yeah. is when they put you in the littler room, make you put on that awful, horrible robe thingy that's not even a robe, and you sit in there for like 30 minutes and you're freezing cold. That's, that's when the they dog. would have the dog. And then they could the just have the dog leave when it's time for the exam. So we're talking about dogs and that there's this dentist. They've got a, a he's not an official therapy dog. But if you want the dog to climb up on your lap while you're having dental work done, the dog would love nothing better than to lie on top of you, all 80 pounds of him, while you're sitting there, you know, stressed, all relieved. It's like having one of those heavy blankets on, those anti-anxiety blankets. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised it's taken doctors or dentists this long to do something like that, because I mean, we all we've all seen like therapy dogs and stuff, right? My my wife took uh, our greyhound to the children's hospital in our area one time um, for like a visit. And the kids went crazy seeing this big, ginormous dog with her cow coat. They call it a cow coat. She's white with black spots. Um, Yeah. And she has the sweetest picture of a little girl. She's in her hospital gown and she's hugging our Greyhound Lucrezia, and she's got the biggest smile on her face. That's awesome. Both the little girl and the dog are both smiling I, from ear I to ear. I wonder with dentist office, I, rem- I just asked my hygienist this. I said, the day I went in for a cleaning, I said, did you hear about the dog that goes to the dentist's office and lays on your lap? Mm-hmm. And she she's a huge dog person. She told me why. And I can't remember exactly what she said, but I think it has to do something with you know, how how sanitized dentist office have to be. Yeah. For example, right. I went to, I had periodontal surgery in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. And when I went for my follow-up cleaning, it looked like, if you remember the scene from ET where there's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm talking everything in the whole place had been coated in plastic Yeah. because you got to keep the germs down when you're dealing with people's mouths. Right. So maybe that's why dogs aren't commonly at dentist's maybe office. Not. Maybe it's just for cleanings. <laughs> Anything that's in, more intrusive than that 
it's a no. Or maybe you have to just sign a release. Like, you're okay with having the dog in there. You're going to take the risk for infection because you want the dog on your lap while you're having the cleaning done or the drilling done or the scraping done or whatever. I would t- I would totally be down for it. If they would let me take Marco with me, my dog, I would absolutely take him. 